Welcome to 1514, the podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Our goal is to help Christians understand the truth of Romans 1514, that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm one of your hosts, Curtis Solomon. And I'm Lakin Brandt, your other host. Be sure to check out more resources from the BCC at biblicalcc.org. Thanks for joining us for this episode of 1514. It is a delight to have you as part of our audience. Today's interview is one that I did with Dave Duell, who is a member of the BCC Council. Dave is the Academic Dean Emeritus at the Master's Academy International and Senior Research Fellow and Policy Advisor for the Christian Institute on Disability at Johnny and Friends. He's been an elder in his church for many years, Married 45 years this year and just a wonderful, wonderful guy. And Dave really helps us out kind of being a liaison to help the BCC and the biblical counseling movement keep in mind those people who have disabilities all across the world. And we talked today specifically about how we can equip and encourage disability caregivers with the capacity to provide soul care as they are conducting the jobs that they already have on the mission field. Dave talks about how the number of people on the planet with disabilities has gone quickly from 1 billion to 1.3 billion in just the last couple of years. And it's a massive group of people, many of them who never get into the church because of the many barriers that impede them from doing so. And there's this army of people out there already providing care for so many of these people. And we want to equip and encourage them to take soul care in as part of the work that they are doing uh, as they are providing care for these people with disabilities. It's a little bit longer episode, but I think it's really worth it. I pray that it's an encouragement to your soul and that you encourage yourself and others around you and your church to get behind this uh, idea and how we can minister well to people with disabilities. Thanks again for listening. This episode is brought to you in part by the IBCD Summer Institute. Are you passionate about biblical counseling and discipleship? Then don't miss out on the Institute for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship's annual Summer Institute, taking place June 22nd through 24th of this year. IBCD exists to strengthen churches and one another care. They serve organizations and individuals who share a passion to see believers equipped through life struggles with the Word of God. They offer all kinds of tools for the counselor through conferences and training events, extensive topic-based courses, observation videos, their Hope and Help podcast, tons of free resources, and more. They've got an amazing lineup of speakers and workshops at this event that are sure to equip and inspire you for ministry. We're thrilled to announce that the BCC will be sponsoring the event, And I'll be one of the speakers. And here's the best part. IBCD is offering special discounts on tickets. Supporting churches and IBCD donors can enjoy 20% off their tickets, while current students can get 15% off. They're also offering special group rates for groups of six or more people. If you can't make it in person, don't worry. They're providing a special live streaming option, and your ticket includes a downloadable file of all the great conference content. So whether you're a seasoned counselor or just starting out, make sure to mark your calendars for IBCD's Summer Institute. Register today by visiting ibcd.org events and take advantage of these incredible savings. We can't wait to see you all there. Well, Dave Duell, thanks so much for being with us on 1514 today. Would you mind introducing yourself to our audience? It'd be my pleasure. Thanks for having me today, Curtis. Uh, I'm Dave Duell. I live in upstate New York. Uh, I interim pastor in area churches, but I also work for Johnny and Friends full-time. Um, I'm married to Nancy, 45 years this year. I have four adult children, one with a diagnosis of Down syndrome. I also have a sister-in-law, my wife's sister, who uh, has uh, brain damage. 
She has an intellectual disability from malaria on the mission field. Mm. Well, congratulations on 45 years. That's a big accomplishment. And thanks so much again for being with us. And thank you for being a part of the BCC Council. I'm really excited. I was excited when we had Johnny and you and a number of people from your team out to the BCC Summit. And then we uh, decided to have a basically uh, a liaison who thinks about and encourages us to re think about how to minister to people with disabilities. And it's just been a, such a a great blessing for the BCC. And today we're going to be talking about um, building off of actually a series of pod uh, blogs that you did last week for the BCC. We were talking about vocational opportunities, and you took the opportunity to highlight how uh, disability care workers can utilize and bring in soul care into what they were doing. And I'm excited to talk to you more on the podcast about that today. So why don't you tell our audience and inform us what is the mission of disability, of disability care workers? Well, the mission of disability care workers is a unique one, and I believe it's a largely unrecognized aspect of our missions. Uh, when you think about it, before Jesus ascended into heaven, he commissioned his disciples to make more disciples, other disciples. But he let them determine the best way to go into all the world, although it must be a mission from a local church. We know that. Using the words teaching and baptizing, Jesus' mission prioritizes soul care. Soul care, sometimes called spiritual care or chaplaincy takes ministry to people with spiritual needs wherever they are. For example, the Red Cross sends spiritual care workers to those suffering in natural disasters. Soul care in all contexts focuses on promoting spiritual growth through the personal ministry of Scripture wherever people with disabilities are. How does growth through soul care occur? Taking soul care along with disability care, and this is important, is a mission strategy to reach unchurched people with disabilities. Some missiologists argue incorrectly, I believe, although they're my friends, <laughs> that people with disabilities are an unreached people group. But people with disabilities are not limited to a people group. They are cross-sectoral and are present in all people groupings, speaking all languages, populating all cultures. They are much larger than an unreached people group, but they are largely unreached. Mm. To ask the question, who are people with disabilities and who disability care workers are? Today, there's an estimated 8 billion people in the world. A growing one-third billion have 1.3 billion, excuse me, have disabilities. About 80% of these live in the majority world. This means that about one out of six people in the world has some form of disability. But defining disability is not easy because disability is broad, complex, and diverse. A person can have a physical, sensory, developmental, or intellectual disability, or experience mental health problems. There can also be a combination of disabilities in varying degrees. Depending on the severity of the disability, people with disabilities may need to live in residential care. And in most parts of the world, this is still the case, although deinstitutionalizing is a, is a very passionate 
message that a lot of people with disabilities and their families are sending out. They want their families, family member to leave the institution. So the question is, how do we reach them, especially if they live in extreme isolation in an institution? I believe it will require disability care workers. And who are disability care workers? Disability care workers come from the fields of disability health care, inclusive education, traditionally called special education, child development specialization, disability services, social work, and a multitude of other occupations. Crucially, they may also include family and friends who care for people with disabilities. Best estimates, there are 50 million plus of these in the USA alone. Wow. That's huge. (laughs) There are many people with disabilities and the number is growing, but there are also many disability care workers and the number is increasing even as we speak. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And I think you shared that the the number of people with disabilities went from 1 billion to 1.3 in the last few years. I mean, that's a significant increase. And you give a lot of stats in that blog uh, there. So I'll just encourage, uh, we'll link to that blog too and encourage our listeners to go read those. Um, And I appreciate you too articulating and enumerating the various pathways of uh, and and, um, populations of disability care workers, because it's not just people who are working in the institutions that you're talking about, but it's, like you said, the inclusive education workers, the family members, all those kind of things. So this really is a great uh, movement of people who are already out there making contact with people with disabilities, and we want to want to encourage them. So you refer to this initiative as a mission outreach. Could you expound on that about a little bit? Why do you refer to it that way? Yeah, that's a good question. We do this because The disability care worker has all the qualifications and follows all the procedures of someone who goes on mission to another country. In fact, disability care workers could be classified as cross-cultural missionaries. That is how we refer to doctors and nurses who do medical missions in other countries, like my wife's family did. Disability caregivers doing soul care qualify as missionaries to people with disabilities. But some may ask how. Disability caregivers meet every standard set by mission leaders in local churches and agencies. First, they are already sent to work alongside people with disabilities to offer care. So they're already there. It isn't a matter of sending them. Second, they know the language and culture of those to whom they minister. Third, they are intimately acquainted with the disability systems and know how to navigate them. And that is not an easy thing to do. It's a complex network of services. Uh, Fourth, they already receive salaried support and benefits. That's already taken care of. It's one of the greatest challenges of sending a missionary to the field. Very time consuming. Minimally, it uh, typically takes about a year and, and these people are already in place. They're already receiving uh, support and they will receive benefits in fifth. And I believe most crucially, they have all the spiritual resources they need in Christ to minister effectively, commissioning, calling, and giftedness. Mm, amen. So why why is this mission so important? Why and why would you want why should we highlight it? Um, 
in maybe distinction or in addition to the different ways we send out missionaries already. Yeah. Crucially, this is a gap in our mission strategy. And and it's one of those statements where we just should give pause and think about the implication we're missing a whole sector of society, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that there haven't been disability care workers who have taken the gospel to and discipled people with disabilities uh, while on their watch. That's happened, but uh, it's it's a it's a ministry and a legitimate legitimate form of mission that I think the church is largely not recognized just because it's hard to see. I think that's the main reason. So for 1.3 billion people, roughly one in six, who may never be able to attend a church due to the limitations and conditions of their disability, disability care workers may be the only church they will ever experience. It may be the only gathering they will ever be a part of at all. It may be the only way that they will hear the gospel and grow spiritually. This need can hardly be overestimated. In general, people with disabilities are more likely to experience barriers to full inclusion and participation in the church. We know that. And that's one of the, the messages uh, of, of advocacy and awareness is just thinking about what a person with a disability goes through to get in church and to, to stay in church and be engaged. But people with disabilities need to be encouraged and enabled to be actively involved in church ministry, as well as be co-workers in the Great Commission. That is why we need disability care workers to reach them, especially those who can't leave the residences where they live in isolation. Yeah, I really appreciate how you say that. Those they're, they're one of the most, even if they're nearby a church, they could be in the United States down the road from five different great churches, but there's so many barriers to being fully included in, in church life that many people with disabilities just don't attend church. So I liked how you said if they can't get to church or don't, you can take church to, to them. That was a brilliant way of, of putting it. And when uh, I did some interviews with people before a family who have few children who have disabilities and others, it was eye- just really eye-opening at all of the barriers. We just had a, a, a student here at Southern graduate with a doctor of ministry degree, and his project was helping build um, awareness of what it's like to live with a disability within his local church with the hope of bringing more people with disabilities and helping them feel welcome and, and comforted. And he utilized some of the things from Johnny and Friends. I think there's some great training there of how people can can set up uh, like a disability where you smear your glasses so you understand what it's like to feel a little bit blind. Like you can simulate, that's what it is, a simulation of, of these different disabilities. And it really helped that church understand. So really want to encourage encourage people to check out those resources and find out more about how to do that in your church as well. Um, who, who uh, as you're talking about this mission, I'm getting sidetracked by all my other thoughts, but as you think about this mission, who who is it going to involve? Yeah. First, it will require the support of Christian leaders, pastors, seminary professors, mission leaders, really everyone. Mm-hmm. Just recognizing the fact and thinking about what they can contribute to this initiative. Prison ministry is a network across the globe. It's so well situated. I mean, it's prison ministries everywhere in the world. Um, What about people with disabilities? I think this can be like prison ministry, but it's just going to take some work on our part. So first, it will require the support of Christian leaders. Secondly, it will take a local church 
that sees the importance of this mission. Pastors and deacons will usually not have the time or access to conduct this ministry, although there are exceptions, but disability care workers are already there mm. to do soul care for the church. No, that's, that's great. Why is this the right time for this mission? First, the number of people with disabilities is rapidly accelerating from 1 billion to 1.3 in a very brief period of time. We know it's escalating quickly. We've really just started tracking it statistically with polls and so forth. But second, not only is the number of people with disabilities increasing rapidly, the number of disability care workers is increasing exponentially. There are over 43 million unpaid caregivers in the United States alone. That's not including doctors, teachers, and other disability support professionals. So third, and this is the part I think that is probably the most heartening what the Lord is doing in the world uh, that will make this possible. Technology and disability residential conditions are improving. Apple just released a whole new cadre of accessibility tools. You can Google it and just see the, the number of tools that are coming out. And remarkably, what we're discovering is a lot of these tools for specifically for people with disabilities actually help other people as well for various reasons. Yeah. Um, it's so it's it's a it's a, a wonderful uh, realization that what we're doing for people with disabilities it has a broader scope of impact uh, as these Apple devices. Um, remote employers are using designed workspace for people with disabilities so that they can work from their homes. Um, a little known fact, I follow a lot of the uh, the surveys ongoing. Uh, remote employment is a breakthrough for people with disabilities right now. The U.S. jobs report consistently over the last eight or nine months demonstrates, this is remarkable, that people with disabilities, by comparison with the rest of the workforce, force, never less left the workplace during COVID-19, and they continue to escalate beyond the regular workforce and seeking employment and, and maintaining it as well. So it's one of those really encouraging things that's going on. We can say, see, people with disabilities can do this. We just have to give them the opportunity. Oh yeah, doing- it's an it's an incredible. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I think anybody who knows people who have disabilities, they they are some of many of the most tenacious, hardworking, gifted people. We have a an intern with us at the BCC right now, who's from a country in South America, and she came to to college at Boyce, and she is almost completely blind and mostly deaf, and yeah. uh, it's just so in, encouraging and inspiring to see somebody. I know many college, high school students who don't want to go out of state lines <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and she's coming to another continent and studying in a different language and learning so much. And it's just a, it's a pleasure to see. Uh, and like you said, it's incredible to see the techno- technological uh, tools that are being available for her to her and others to, to utilize, um, to do research and study and graduate college and move on in the workforce. It's, it's incredible. So, yeah, well, thanks for, thanks for highlighting that. What, um, what will the mission require of a soul care worker? 
first, some basic training. And I don't mean extensive training. I don't think seminary training is necessary. Um, if people wanted to get the seminary training, it'd be great. I wouldn't never discourage it. Uh, but basic training, some basic training, I think is required. But here's why. Now, I think knowing the reason why it's important. People who are doing disability care lack competence, perhaps, in doing soul care. But more crucially, they lack confidence. Hmm. That is that they can do the work of ministry. I believe that most of them could do it as church members, but they've not done it. And so they don't realize that they're actually quite ready just to share their faith and to do encouragement. So I think some basic training, not a lot really, uh, would be very helpful. Second, a connection to their local church is essential. Mm. Uh, I believe it is not the best to treat this ministry as parachurch. And I'm all for parachurch ministries where they're appropriate. I just don't think this is one of them. I think this is one of those exceptions. Uh, for it should be outreach of a local church. That's actually what people want who are in these institutions and uh, in institutionalized care in general. They would really love to be part of a church. So as you said earlier, by taking the church to them, we actually we actually do that with one person. And, you know, Jesus said it so clearly where two or three are gathered in my name. Well, two is a gathering. Mm. We, we can think about it in his terms. Two is a gathering, and that means so much to a person with a disability. So just because it takes place outside the church does not separate it from the church's mission. Yeah. It's a part of the larger scope of mission. Yeah, that's. An, I had a question for you. It wasn't one that I had shared with you ahead of time. So, if you take a, need a minute to think about it, that's fine. But when I think about people, maybe somebody who's going, like you said, a Red Cross uh, worker, or somebody else who goes overseas, or or even even domestically in the United States, and is working for an organization uh, or employed by somebody to provide care. Are there any liability concerns, impediments that they might have to providing soul care to the people under their, under their, the care that they are already providing? If they're under contract, uh, for instance, if a family member or a friend is under contract to provide care and there are mechanisms to accomplish that, then many of these issues are already taken care of because then they're protected by the agency hmm. that hired them. Um, if they're on their own, uh, that's a little different story. And and by the way, uh, disability caregivers are already taken care of as well because they're under contract to provide care. And this is just a part of the conversation that people with disabilities want them to have with them. So hmm. by invitation, if you think of it that way, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're doing what they're supposed to do. So they're quite protected. Uh, the only people that wouldn't be protected would be family members and friends who offer some form of care but are not under contract. Hmm. Interesting. Well, th thanks for sharing that. So yeah. what um, you meant, we, we were just talking about the church. So what will the church, what will this mission require of care workers, local church? How can, how can uh, the local church help these workers, and then we'll talk about the parachurch in a second. But first, how can somebody's local church help support them if they are a disability caregiver? 
Yes. Well, first, I would say acknowledge the unique opportunity that disability care workers have. And that's that's the unrecognized factor here. If we saw it for what it is, we'd say, wow, you know, let's do more, I, I think. Uh, and uh, second, provide a practical ministry framework for disability care workers. So some way that this fits within the context of a local church uh, would be really helpful. And where would it fit best? Probably in a missions department, you know, with, under the supervision of the missions committee that they could report to and tell what's going on because they will have incredible stories to share. Mm. It would be encouraging to everyone. So uh, thirdly, affirm care workers as among the church's other ministry rules. And I think that's a big one too. People doing disability care and spiritual care should be recognized for the work that they're doing. Shouldn't be, uh, not that it would be downplayed, but maybe it needs to be a little more vocal in some places, in some ways that can be done. Um, pray for disability care workers as mission workers. You notice that theme I keep bringing up, yeah. as mission workers. Um, I think this is real missions. Mm-hmm. And, and when you first hear about it, you think, well, I'm not sure it's exactly real mis- missions. But the more you look at the details and how it's done, you think, no, the essential parts are there. So uh, finally, reach out using all available paths. Be very practical in designing outreach because there are so many paths to people with disabilities in these uh, institutional settings. And today's uh, framework, institutional settings may be 100 people, but it may be two living in an apartment. And disability care workers go to check on those two to make sure they're okay to help them with different services and so forth. So uh, that's a huge path because visiting people with disabilities in their home, if you will, Mm -hmm. the apartment, yeah. It's private space. You can have any conversation you want to have. People are not listening. They'll feel very comfortable in within the confines of their own home. So these things only have to be explored. There are so many incredible paths to people with disabilities that just need to be uh, followed, essentially. Yeah. Uh, that's, inc- that's great. Uh, what will this mission accomplish? Yes, well... A number of things, um, but I, I'll try to hit three that I think are really important. First, and we've already said it in so many words, the one in six people with disabilities will have the church taken to them. And I would add, maybe for the first time in their lives, mm. they've grown up in institutions, they have absolutely no exposure to the church and the love of Christ. And here, uh, a disability care worker can be that first experience. What an incredible thing. Uh, Second, it will offer discipleship to that, to people with disabilities so that they can grow spiritually. And I think there are a lot of people with disabilities who, for over television broadcasts, personal conversations with individuals, many of them have come to Christ, but they don't grow spiritually. They have no connection to the local church. And so consequently, they may have accepted Jesus as their Savior, but they may not really even be able to explain what that means because it just hasn't been part of their experience. I I see discipleship as probably as critical as as evangelism because it just doesn't happen, and it it needs to happen. Third, uh, I believe, and this is a satisfying thing, I think, it will complete the church's mission to all people. 
you know, here we have such a huge sector of people that are uh, inconsistently or not at all being reached. And we would be doing that. And that would be a huge thing, I think. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Um, how will a disability care worker conduct a mission to a person with disability? Yeah, I think, and there are different, uh, there are different paths to this, but I, I want to pick what I consider to be the most essential and basic things that I believe anybody can do. Um, it, it is this simple in some ways. Soul care includes many form of ministry activity that leads to growth. And we're not used to thinking these things as about these things as ministry, but in fact they are. And the first of all is just caring with your presence. You know, Job's comforters, and we we always uh, criticize them harshly, and maybe it's due, I'm not sure. But they sat with Job for a week before anyone spoke. You say, well, how can you do that for a week? I don't know how you can do it for a week, but it just shows you the importance of presence. Mm -hmm. This is probably one of the most st stunning examples of the uh, importance of presence in uh, Job's situation. Job is suffering miserably, and he just wanted the comfort uh, and the presence of, of his friends. Um, but secondly, and this is, this is something anyone of us can do, and that is listen actively to people who are in distress or who have suffered loss. And most people with disabilities fall in both categories. And so just allowing them to talk and uh, maybe asking them questions about what they're telling you uh, is, is they don't have opportunities to do that very often. Uh, they, may, uh, they may have friends that visit them and family, but uh, someone from outside that sphere a disability care worker has access and can do that. Praying for, and I would say with, especially with people who are in distress, according to their specific crisis or need. So by listening, we find out what the need or the crisis is and how it's affecting them. And by praying, I would say both for and with it make sure they know that you're going to pray for them when you go home but pray with them while you're there yeah. and most residents residential facilities and uh, homes will allow this if the person welcomes that if they want that uh, if you ask them if you want would you like me to pray with you uh, it's it's protected activity <laughs> legally protected activity to pray with that person uh, so it's it's wonderful it's a wonderful thing to know that um that praying can have such a, a strong impact on an in individual's life with a disability encouraging those who are discouraged or despondent with biblical truth there's a great article written in a book about encouragement that states clearly and unequivocally that biblical encouragement, when we see the word encourage in scripture, it's actually intended to mean encouragement with scripture. Mm. You know, we're quick to give somebody a pat on the back, and we should. <laughs> you know, I don't want to I don't want to say anything against that. Yeah. But if we're going to do biblical encouragement the way uh, I, the Bible uses the term encourage, uh, it usually involves biblical truth. 
So that's important to know. And we can, all, we can all do it. We have passages that speak to us that we share. You don't have to quote it verbatim. You can paraphrase it. Uh, and, and in so doing, you can bring truth to people who need to hear it. Comforting people who are in pain and need to hear of God's care. Many people with disabilities are in chronic pain. If you ever heard, heard Johnny Erickson Tata speak, she'll talk very candidly about her. Her pain being the one of the most difficult things in her life. Yeah. It's just hard to get past. It's hard to think through because it's there and gets worse at times. Um, so offering comfort, uh, again, with scripture in the face of pain uh, and suffering is incredibly important. But we need not stop there. Those are all very important. I think they're all the basics. But comfort, um, excuse me, instructing those who are unsure of how to seek spiritual help from the Lord is very important. I think a lot of people with disabilities uh, in settings where they're in isolation would receive God's comfort if they knew how to access it. Mm. And that sounds so basic to us who go to church every Sunday. We pray as if it's nothing. But many uh, people in, in uh, disability settings will not have had that basic teaching. So they won't know that they can call upon God and that he hears them mm. and that he's with them. Those are such basic truths to us, but uh, they're not as widely known as we might think. Yeah, so that's Go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, those are all really helpful things to think about. And honestly, if we, if each of us thought about it for five minutes, we would realize, man, those are things we should all be doing in every relationship we have. Yeah. And I think for the the disability care worker who might think, well, I'm not a counselor or they have this vision in their mind of like, um, you know, somebody sitting down with somebody for an hour a week and saying, I don't have time to do that. It's like, well, you yeah. know what? You might not. But yeah. if you're, even if you made contact with somebody for five minutes, three days a week, four days a week, five days a week, if you right. constantly had those things playing out while you're doing whatever it is, physical therapy, changing clothes, whatever it is that you're there to do, and this was going on in the process, that's going to be hours and hours and hours of time that you yeah. are investing in their, their whole person, their body and soul. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's really helpful. I mean, it, it kind of made me want to encourage people to get that tattooed on their hand, those five steps, <laughs> whether or not you like tattoos or not, that's not my point. My point <laughs> is remember those things and, and utilize them in your, uh, in that care. So yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. I got two more if you want them. Oh yeah, sorry. So your points and are going to your tattoo is getting longer. So <laughs> <laughs> add two. Um, one anothering. Mm. We can take the one anothers to people with with disabilities in these settings, and that's church life. That's body life. That's really treating them like they were physically present in church, and explaining to them that this is what's going on, uh, and you can receive the one anothering from them in the course of time as well. Uh, and then finally, discipling people with disabilities so that they can disciple others. And you say, well, that's that's a stretch. Actually, it's not. You would find these are some of the most persistent, disciplined people that you've ever met. And they have so much time on their hands, giving them materials to listen to, audio tapes and things, or audio recordings, excuse me, and uh, in uh, written materials uh, would be so well used. Uh, a lot of what we call discipling, they could do on their own and you could help them when you visit with them. But yeah. to your point, Curtis, the, the, the consistency 
of disability care and the depth of relationship and empathy that's reached is the critical point. Yep. There's trust there. And, uh, and these are people that are not used to trusting. They mm. just don't have the opportunities to build those kinds of relationships because of the restrictions of their disability. Yeah. I mean, in, in reality, most of us, if you think, if we think about it outside, maybe our spouse, um, or if we have a really, really, really close trusted friend in our, in our work, don't have that kind of consistent contact with somebody who's going to actively care and pour into our lives. So it's just a, yeah, when they really, if you really think about how you can take advantage of that relationship or make the most of that relationship, yeah. uh, it's incredible. It's really incredible. Um, so what will it take? We're going to go a little long today because I really love what we're talking about. What will it take to make this mission outreach plan work? Yes, I have three things and I, and I do think it will work with these three things, um, although every church will have to deal with this a little differently. It's just the nature of things. First of all, the local church's commitment to reaching this sector of society, once that commitment is made, and it's a it's a decision that needs to be corporate in a sense, um, but especially once the leaders of a church recognize this, that really all they need to do is encourage and resource these disability care workers uh, that will be it. That will be the the hump to uh, to get over. I would add to that a little careful planning, not a lot, not much at all, really. Uh, by comparison, this is an easy ministry from the mm-hmm. church's standpoint. It, it's not going to demand a lot of attention. I, th- I think finally, uh, and this is something we can all think about uh, as we do our work, biblical counseling, but some carefully written tools and resources to support the soul care itself. So in other words, taking that relationship between a disability caregiver and a person with a disability and figuring out what kinds of materials will be most effective with the circumstances in which that ministry occurs. First of all, I think we'll come up with things very quickly and I believe they will be very effective simply because these people are recipients. They receive care. Yeah, that's great. So as far as uh, when we think about biblical counseling leaders, pastors, mission leaders, uh, what can what can people in those roles do to help this mission? Yes. So support this mission strategy for reaching the 1.3 million billion, a rapidly growing sector. Churches can start care ministry interest groups. Seminaries, colleges, and institutes can offer coursework and programs in spiritual care. Mission agencies can map spiritual care into their programming. And biblical counseling networks can take the lead by launching initiatives for disability caregivers. I believe the best material will come from from biblical counseling circles. Um, It will require support from all corners. A simple strategy for deploying disability care workers to do spiritual care might include pray specifically for undiscipled people with disabilities you already know. Secondly, identify caregivers in your local church that work with people who have disabilities and encourage them to consider doing soul care as well. You may discover they already are, Hmm. and that would be a pleasant surprise because some of them are. They're already doing this. Uh, Thirdly, fourthly, excuse me, 
Build in affirmation for these workers so that they receive encouragement and resources, whatever they need. They don't need much. Build a platform for them, but let them lead the way because they know the way. Mm. Next, reach out and invite disability care workers to do soul care training through biblical counseling networks. We mentioned that already. Then finally, design soul care materials and and training programs specifically for disability care workers. That's why several of us have been working on writing and expanding the Family Disability Toolkit, uh, many books that can fit into a purse or a shirt pocket. I would also recommend uh, Johnny and Friends has a spiritual care curriculum of three classes. Uh, you can get just by going to johnnyandfriends.org and follow the training uh, sector of the, of the website. That's great. And yeah, I definitely want to encourage people. We, we highlight and promote the Disability Toolkit on the BCC website pretty regularly. You can find links to that there. There's lots of great resources written by biblical counselors, many of them a part of the BCC, that we're excited to, to help promote those, those great resources. Be sure to check those out. So how can we pray for this mission? I, I put it into one request. <laughs> That the Lord will engage workers who have access to people with disabilities by stirring the churches and their people to get behind them. Hmm. Amen. Well, we will definitely do that. Dave, any other any other thoughts that you want to share with our audience? Any other resources you should point them to? Yeah, well, those are the resources. But I would just like to thank my biblical counseling colleagues for being my sisters and brothers in Christ. I respect the work they're doing beyond words and thank God for that work. Uh, I now ask them to consider how they might engage this mission, which is to recognize and energize and resource caregivers to persons with disabilities who are already sent financially supported because they do need their support. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you again for being with us on 1514. My pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And special thanks to our team who helped make this podcast possible. My assistant, Rebecca Mullins, helps coordinate these interviews. And our podcast engineer, Caleb Lau, does a great job editing and putting everything together. We look forward to you joining us next time.